Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Reminder before we start the show that TickPick should be your first choice to buy football tickets because they save fans money by never charging service fees ever. TickPick is the exclusive ticketing partner of Purple Insider and the Blue Wire Network. All right, let's get to the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the Purple Insider and Bring Me the News Tuesday live stream. We do this every single Tuesday. If this is your first time watching it, our first time seeing us, Purple Insider, Matthew Collar and Sam Ekstrom, well, make sure you go check out the Purple Insider podcast. Wherever you get your podcasts, just type in Purple Insider. Comes out every single day, so you will have all sorts of Vikings directly into your brain. Also, check out our written work at purpleinsider.substack.com. We have a lot to talk about this week. Sam Ekstrom, how are you? Matthew, um, I don't know if you got the the memo from all the other writers, but um, I got wind that we are dressing up in costume for Sunday's game, so make sure to show up to the press box um, in costume, and uh, we'll have a little little runway show, all right? Make sure you're oh, yeah. prepared. Yeah, sure. I totally believe you. Uh, now, there have been some games that we've covered on Halloween before in Chicago in 2016. Uh, talk about a horror show for the Minnesota Vikings. But I think the best one that I ever saw was very simple. It was just someone dressed as Brock Lesnar wearing a Brock Lesnar Vikings jersey. I mean, I don't even know how someone gets a Brock Lesnar Vikings jersey, but that person had it and they were right below the press box in 2016 in Chicago and it blew my mind. Are you sure it wasn't Brock Lesnar in the flesh? Might have been been the real guy. I I think I would recognize him by his size. I think Brock Lesnar is quite big. This man was not Brock Lesnar size. So uh, maybe in the media room, we'll have a little Halloween fun and dress up as something funny. But uh, as far as this game goes, um, there is a lot to discuss here, Sam, because now the way the standings are set up in the NFC uh, after a win last night for new Orleans, that kicked Seattle further down in the standings, which even when Russell Wilson comes back, it's going to take a Herculean effort from him to get a bad football team, even back into the mix. I'm not entirely counting Seattle out, but the Vikings right now sitting in a playoff spot, the Dallas Cowboys look like one of the premier teams in the NFC. And this just has all the makings of a national TV prove it type of game show if you're the Vikings that you belong in this conversation because it's so interesting how the seas have parted on one side you have the real NFC contenders and there's only a couple of them you got Tampa Bay Arizona Dallas is in there Green Bay and then on the other side you just have teams that got no shot uh, to make it anywhere in the NFC and the Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons and maybe the San Francisco 49ers are floating around in the middle. And I feel like this game is an opportunity for the Vikings to take the step from being in that middle to in the bucket of real contenders. Yeah. It's amazing how the kind of the accordion has opened up and the contenders are, are through seven weeks already clearly far and above Um, But if you beat Dallas, you finally have a signature win because the Vikings don't yet. Carolina, for a couple seconds, might have looked like it was going to be a big game. Frauds. They've lost four in a row. They benched their quarterback. They are what we thought they were, said Dennis Green. Detroit Lions are bad. um, And the Seahawks, as you mentioned, it was probably better at the time. But in retrospect, that's that might be a win against a below 500 team by the time the season is over. So if you beat Dallas, who is a last second field goal away from being undefeated with Arizona at the top of the conference, if you beat them, you have made a statement on national television against the number one offense 
And I'd be curious to see how they win as well. Um, are you going to outgun Dallas and beat them 38 to 35? Or will you go the Mike Zimmer route and try to do the opposite? Will you try to grind out a win with the running game and keep the ball away from Dak Prescott and beat them with defense? Seems pretty hard to me. I think you have to beat them by scoring points. Um, but I'm very intrigued to see how the Vikings approach this game, whether they lean into the offensive shootout that we all expect it to be. All right. So one way that I like to, on the show, talk about different games or topics is with a game of our own called Talk Me Into. So how this works is I'm going to ask you to talk me into something Vikings-Cowboys related, and then you are going to ask me to talk you into something Vikings-Cowboys related, and we'll get into all sorts of different parts of this matchup. So let's start with what you just said. Talk me into the Vikings winning this game in any other way than a shootout that Greg Joseph wins a final, uh, makes a final mm -hmm. kick to walk off 38, 35. Talk me into the Vikings winning in any other scenario that is not the one we've been talking about, which is, Hey, you have to fight fire with fire. You have to be more aggressive, more or less. Can they win this game? Not playing a different brand of football than they've mostly played this year. So I think there's a path. Um, number one, Dalvin Cook's probably back to 100%, I would expect. You know that they're going to try to ride him early and see if they can do it. And I think they might be able to do it. Um, the Cowboys have not faced a lot of runs this year because they've been way ahead in games. They've faced the second fewest rushing attempts. They, they haven't really been tested that much in the run game. Um, the, the raw rushing yards against them. I don't believe any of that. I don't care because the teams just haven't needed to run against Dallas. Therefore the run defense appears good, but PFF data on their run defense actually isn't that grand. It's like 26th in the league last year. It was also 26th and last year it was 30th in yards per attempt against. Um, I look at that defensive line. They don't have Neville Gallimore. They don't have uh, Demarcus Lawrence. It's a pretty anonymous group other than Randy Gregory. I mean, it's a big rotation. They're not going to, they don't have a lot of stars on that defensive line is what I'm trying to say. And I don't think that um, they are impossible to run against. The defense is obviously their weakness. So I think that instead of maybe trying to score in two minutes um, through the air, they might try to score in eight minutes on the ground. Um, that's the Mike Zimmer approach. I'm thinking back to that Dallas game in 19 where in the second half, something clicked with that running game. And even though Dallas was marching down the field against them, Dak Prescott, I think, had 400 yards on that Sunday night, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I remember covering that game in person, and it was incredible. Somehow Dallas lost in one of the great offensive performances I've seen live uh, because the Vikings were able to run the ball and control the clock in the second half. And I could see Mike Zimmer saying, Light bulb. This worked two years ago. We're going to try it again. And we're going to look at that defensive line. We don't think they're that great. We're going to wear them down using our run blocking offensive line. And we're going to make them play to our strength. If I'm, that's what I think Mike Zimmer thinks. Do you think that's what Mike Zimmer thinks? I do think that's what Mike Zimmer thinks. And I also think that this strategy is not pure insanity because a shootout with a team that ranks number one in the NFL in offense. And I think number two in the percentage of drives in which they produce points uh, might be playing a little too much into the hands of the Dallas Cowboys, because this is how they play football all the time. Even if you look at last week, the new England Patriots got into a shootout with them and you're right about their defense. It's improved, but it's fallible. And they've relied so much on turnovers this year that it's hard to see that continuing that, 20% of the drives, they create turnovers. I mean, we do know that one turnover uh, here or there can swing a game. And if Trayvon Diggs gets a pick six, well, then, you know, that's going to be a problem. But usually defenses that rely so much on turnovers and get beat everywhere else will have bad weeks and they'll allow the other team's offense to dominate. But I think that the Seattle game 
and the Arizona games showed us that you can win with a run first approach. If you are getting big chunks of yardage, if you're also being somewhat creative in the run game, which if you remember in Arizona, there was a time where they used Alexander Madison and Delvin cook on the field at the same time. I'd like to see that again and see more of that. They motioned Delvin cook out and ran an end around with him. It wasn't hugely successful, but it was creative. It was a little different from their usual running game. And they were able to in Seattle or against Seattle at home, they were able to keep Russell Wilson off the field. And I think that as much of a classic old school concept as that is, keep the other team's quarterback off the field, that's what they have to do in this game. Because racing up and down the field, we score, you score, we score, you score, uh, that doesn't exactly play well, I think, to the strengths. As much as we want to see the Vikings be aggressive and we want to see them throw downfield and win with their offense, there's another form of winning with offense, which is you control the ball for 35 minutes and Dak Prescott has to stand and watch you do it. So I can actually be talked into this, not trying to win a complete shootout. Plus, one more point, you have the U.S. Bank Stadium advantage. Home field advantage is basically evaporated around the league, but it is still real here. And I think that that's something unique that the Vikings have, and they can play to their favor in this game. Perfect. Can I give you my talk me into it? Prop? Absolutely. I'm ready to talk you into something. <laughs> All right. I think the Cowboys have a one-two punch through the air with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper. I think they have a one-two punch at running back with Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, who is getting six yards a carry right now. That's insanity. So talk me into the Vikings shutting down either one of those duos because I don't know if I see it unless you talk me into it. Okay. This one is much harder. Uh, yours is talk me into the one I gave you was a softball. Talk me into Mike Zimmer football working. Well, it does work a lot of times. This is a little harder. So uh, I guess where I would start is if Michael Pierce can come back from his injury, this makes it a lot easier. Now, we don't know that. We won't know until we're out there watching practice on Wednesday if Michael Pierce has a chance to come back. But the defensive line against Carolina performed maybe at their best level that they have all year. Armand Watts rotated in and did a great job. When Michael Pierce is in there, they're a different team because they can put Pierce and Tomlinson in. And remember, some of the big runs that were ripped off were with Nick Vigil playing. Well, it's going to be a healthy front seven. Uh, now you're going to have Anthony Barr in there. Anthony Barr, potentially Michael Pierce, Delvin Tomlinson. Uh, and I think that they started off this whole season by trying to focus on stopping the run. It hasn't worked yet, uh, but they have the capability. They have the personnel to have it gel together here and two weeks to prepare, two weeks to get 100% healthy. That to me has a much better chance of slowing down Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard than it does of slowing down the wide receivers. Here's another thing too, and this might be their best chance. Dallas paid Zeke Elliott. He is the worst of the two running backs, but they still give him the ball all the time. And I even saw, you know, kind of a chart of like yards over expected of Zeke Elliott and this year, and it's dipped as the season has gone along. I mean, this is a guy who has a ton of workload over his last few years. And remember it was Tony Pollard who ripped the Vikings apart last year. I think maybe Mike McCarthy and Zeke Elliott are your best chance to slow down the Dallas Cowboys run. And if you do that, it gives you some opportunity for Zimmer to get all blitz crazy. I watched a really great breakdown by Nate Tice, who works for The Athletic, of how Zimmer manipulates offensive lines, even talented offensive lines, into confusion on third downs. If you can do that, that gives you a chance to at least get some stops and get the football back. But I think it actually does, as weird as it sounds for a team that throws for 400 yards a game, it actually all does start with stopping the run. I don't know if I've done a great job of convincing you. You have to tell me. <laughs> Um, well, I think I agree with you that stopping the run is going to be more attainable than stopping the pass because Dallas might just say, whoa, Bashad Breeland, Cameron Dantzler, see you later, Zeke. We don't need you today. Take a seat on the bench um, because they might just throw it the whole game. I think that's probably the wiser play um, is just to keep testing those cornerbacks. Bashad Breeland has one good game. Cameron Dantzler has one good game. He's basically only only played more than a handful of snaps in that one game. Um, and he was good against, I think it was Detroit. Nope, it was Cleveland. Cleveland game, he was pretty good. Um, but Baker Mayfield was also terrible. This is Dak Prescott. I I worry about Cameron Dantzler. 
um, I worry about Bashad Breland. I have concerns about this secondary without Patrick Peterson. I think if you had Peterson locking down one side of the field, you would have had a puncher's chance. I think this is going to be a game about playing some cloud, some shell, some zone, trying to keep everything in front, don't give up the big play, and just making Dallas march. Don't give them any quick strikes. This is a a tried and usually true Zimmer methodology is that if you have a really good red zone defense, you can be you can give up as many yards as you want, but if you hold teams to 3 points, at the end of the day, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. Now, I don't know if this red zone defense is good. I'm not sure this defense has really mastered that yet. They are doing great on third down. That's another Zimmer trademark. Red zone, though, is a little more unpredictable, and they haven't really figured it out yet. Other teams have kind of had their way with them in the red zone, so I'm not sure that works, but it could be the Zimmer approach. Um, They might willingly play a lot of off coverage and give up some shorter throws in the name of hoping to, to create a mistake. And the Vikings haven't really created many turnovers this year. Um, They're probably due for a little fumble luck, to be honest with you, to get like, you know, someone dropping the ball randomly. Um, They haven't had quarterbacks throw them, throw them the ball much. Dak Prescott's not going to do that very willingly, but the Vikings are going to need to create a turnover or two. They're going to need to win in the take give, I think. Um, And I think that you do that by making Dallas work for it. And if they're going to score, make them go 12 to 15 plays. Folks, Minnesota football is rolling along and there's no need to exhaust yourself looking all over the internet to find Minnesota football tickets anymore. That's because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need for your go-to for all NFL tickets. TickPick got rid of those awful service fees that the other sites charge, which lets them guarantee the best price on all of their NFL tickets, Don't believe it. If you could find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference on the purchase price. So we've got lots of big games going on in downtown Minneapolis and lots of road trips for Minnesota football fans to take. So you want to go to TickPick.com slash insider to save $10 on your first order for Minnesota football tickets. Again, TickPick.com slash insider to save $10 on your first order of Minnesota football tickets. I'm not entirely convinced. I mean, I'm just, I know I was trying to convince you, but I was also trying to convince myself while talking me into it and even listening to you that the Vikings defense can slow down Dallas because I think that as as much veteran presence is on this defense, this is not 2017 or 2016. I think it's a flawed defense still that the cornerback position has enough weaknesses that you're talking about a team that's going to spread it out and try to create one-on-one matchups with Cam Dantzler and Bashad Breeland with two of the best receivers in the world. And by the way, if you cover them deep, they could check it down to Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard and create big plays. Or Dak Prescott can take off and run for 20 yards. There's a reason why they're the number one offense. There's no weakness. And when they get to the red zone, they've got the best offensive line in the NFL. That's getting Leal Collins back, by the way, if they want to play him. So they are a healthy, awesome offensive line. And uh, I think in the previous years, their offensive line was more fallible because of injuries, but now they're healthy. And I think that's going to be very tough for the Vikings to stop, which leads me to my next one for you. I want you to talk me into Kirk Cousins, national TV, and why Vikings fans should not be worried about the stage that has been set here for their quarterback. Oh, that's that's a good one. Um, I don't know if this is still a talking point with Cousins. I, I feel like he's had enough success, not not riches and gold, but he has done enough in the past two and a half seasons to believe that this is not the the piano on his back anymore. Um, I'm thinking about Dallas 2019. You can't really win on a bigger stage than that. And I know that Dallas team ended up, I think, eight and eight, or they, they, they might have missed the playoffs. <clears throat> they weren't a world beater, but that was still a huge win at the time. Um, and you can't overlook that. You can't overlook a playoff win. Um, he beat the Bears last year on, on Monday Night Football. I just think that he's he's not only has he checked the box once, but he's done it two, three, four times. I, I don't think the primetime thing 
is going to get him. I don't think that's necessarily the story. I, I think that, um, you know, making the one cousinsy mistake could be a story. That one throw that gets away from him um, to the wrong person, that could be a problem. Um, and we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll see if he ends up caving against some pressure or, or if he looks sort of like previous versions of Kirk Cousins that, that melt down. But I think that he's, he has really erased a lot of the stigmas against him in the past couple of years. To his credit, um, he's been given some opportunities. He's come through, not always, um, but at a more representative winning percentage uh, than it was before. He's not, you know, zero, he's not over at this point. So this isn't something he'll be asked about, I wouldn't think, and probably something that's not on his mind. I never underestimate the things that uh, people could be asked about, but I I, uh, also agree with you that I don't think that the national TV thing is actually a thing. Um, I looked into this a couple of years ago, going into a game against Green Bay on national TV, which Cousins performed excellently in 2018, kind of kept that season going uh, into the second half, briefly um, eliminated some of the problems they had, which only propped up you know, a few weeks later with John Filippo, but that was a huge game for them. Mike McCarthy was on the other side, Aaron Rodgers against the Vikings, big time stage and cousins couldn't have been much better. And there have been a number of games that we've seen from him where he hasn't just been good on national TV. He's been fantastic, but the explanation for why he had such a poor record was usually you're playing a great team and a great quarterback. And when he was in Washington, they had a lot of flaws on that team. And so he had played some good games that they just came up short. And in Minnesota, he had some of his classic meltdown games, but we've also seen those happen against the Atlanta Falcons on a 1 PM game. Like you never really know where that, when that's coming. And that would be your big fear is cousins has played so well through six games. And there's a lot of discussion about how well he's played, but in 2019 is a good example where he had this long stretch of playing really well. And then all of a sudden it just hit the skids. Same with 2018, started out the season hot and then it just fell apart with a stretch. And then last year they started the season with that bad stretch. So every year of his career, there's been incredibly good play and there's been play that ends up proving costly. And when you're playing against very good teams like the Dallas Cowboys, who are a true Super Bowl contender with their offense, that's where you wonder can he go back and forth with them or does the one Kirky in play? And think about this. This year, the Kirky in plays have not really cost them. He threw it backwards out of bounds on a second down and or on a first down. It went to second and 17, trying to throw it away. He's had several strip sacks that bounced right back into his hands. Some in key moments, even in the red zone against Seattle, bounced right back into his hands on a strip sack. And there have been other times we've seen where uh, bounces up in the air, tip balls, they get picked off. Or when he gets strip sacked, it gets recovered. And so a lot of it kind of depends on on that sort of luck. So I don't think that it's anything where Cousins can't handle pressure. I even looked into the game-winning drive thing and his percentage of game-winning drives was very similar to other quarterbacks in terms of how many chances you got versus how many you converted into a game-winning drive. So it hasn't shocked me. I don't think that's the issue. I think the issue is, Sam, you look this up. The Vikings have a lot of three and outs and they have a lot of halves of Kirk Cousins not playing great football. And I think the biggest concern is if you play one half of poor football against the Dallas Cowboys, you're going to be down 21 points. They can't afford that version of Cousins that doesn't want to be aggressive, wants to throw short of the sticks on third down, gets a little antsy in the pocket. That's the version that they can't afford to have in this game. The Vikings need a duplicate of the Seattle performance, I think in the Seattle game and, you know, not in every sense because the defense still started out really badly on that day, but the offense struck early. They struck often. And even in the second half, when they weren't scoring touchdowns, they still sustained three field goal drives, put points on the board, scored 30 points. I think they only punted once in that game. You need that. You need a four quarter offensive effort where you don't have and this has been kind of the problem with the Vikings in many of their big defeats. Like I'm thinking, you know, Seattle um, in 2019 and 2020, where they have one quarter where they just black out and have an out of body experience and the offense turns it over and a lead becomes a deficit in the blink of an eye. Can't do it against Dallas um, at all. Ready for the next prompt? I am ready. Yes. 
Okay, let me know how many of these we're doing because I'm sure we could go all day with it. Um, I've got, um, I don't know if it's a tricky one or not. Maybe, maybe it, I think you can probably convince me here. Convince me that Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter can get pressure with potentially Lael Collins and Tyron Smith um, trying to keep them away from Dak Prescott. Mm, now that's a good one. One thing I would say in Everson Griffin's benefit is I didn't think he had quite the same type of game against Carolina that he'd had in the previous couple of weeks, but then he gets to rest. And Andre Patterson has talked about this a lot of like making sure that he keeps Everson Griffin at full health. Now, look, there's not a whole lot you can do. You have to just play him because he's the best player you have. He's the best chance you have to get after the quarterback. Um, So him having that little extra jump, the little extra jump at home when the other team has to go on the silent count versus uh, being on the road. Statistically, that's been a huge difference in terms of sacks in uh, the past. I looked this up about U.S. Bank Stadium with fans in the stands, the Vikings from 2016 to 2019. No team had more sacks in the NFL than the Vikings. When they were on the road, they were an average team in terms of sacks. I think that's a big advantage, and I think that speaks to Everson Griffin's quickness. Tyron Smith is unbelievable, though. I mean, one of the best, truly one of the best players in the NFL, a Hall of Fame level talent. Uh, I don't know if he's been healthy enough to someday be in the Hall, but he's that good. Now, on the other side, though, this is where I think they have the best chance. If Lyle Collins is starting, I don't think he's that great. He's not Tyron Smith great. We've seen Daniil Hunter take apart plenty of good defensive linemen and the other thing or offensive linemen, sorry. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is that the way that things are set up usually by Mike Zimmer is to give an assist to these guys where you're rushing three, four guys over one part of the field, like on third and 12 or something, right? We saw this, uh, I mean, really through the entire time, Mike Zimmer has been their coach where they'll show a blitz on one side, the offense will change the protection. Then there's some confusion and that will alone help them. That's why they have to be in third and long though. That's why they can't give up a ton of rushing yards because once they get those opportunities, Zimmer is just a mastermind of doing this. And you mentioned even last year when they had a terrible defense, they were still good on third downs for this reason. So I think they have a chance to get after Dak Prescott, despite this great offensive line, but only if they don't get steamrolled in the running game by this offensive line. And only if they actually force Dak Prescott into those tough positions. But I think that the way Griffin and Hunter have played this year, you go into any game feeling like these guys can make a game changing play at any moment. Yeah. And you maybe Lael Collins isn't ready to go. Maybe you, you get to face Terrence Steele, who is a second year undrafted free agent. Who's been doing a nice job, fill in duty at right tackle. But if you get Hunter against Steele, that is a decided mismatch. And that's where you could really make some progress and get pressure on Prescott, who has not been hit very much this year. And a lot of that's a credit to him because he's mobile. But sack percentage is actually the same as Kirk Cousins. They both have 3.6% sack percentage, which I believe are both top five numbers um, in the league. Prescott has been very elusive this year, um, which and he, he's tough to bring down because his protection, especially at the guard positions, is just so, so good. Okay, let's do just a couple more here. Uh, How about talk me into if this game is back and forth and there's a ton of points and entertainment value, let's say it washes away the terrible taste I have in my mouth from having to watch the New Orleans Saints and Seattle Seahawks last night. Please, NFL gods, why? That was one of the worst football games I've ever seen coming off of a hideous game between Indianapolis and San Francisco. So that was horrifying. For national television. So they wash away all that. They play a great game. It's 35, 35 cousins has 400 yards. Dak has 400 yards. It's been miraculous. And the game comes down to a field goal on the foot of Greg Joseph. Talk me into Greg Joseph doing it again at home and why they should trust Greg Joseph in another clutch kick situation in a game that really swings the entire season. I think. Wow. Um, let's this is a recap. tough one. This let's tough. recap. <laughs> so week one, good Joseph, um, clutch Joseph. Week two, choke Joseph. Um, week five, good Joseph. Week six, choke. So we're, I mean, we're alternating here. So we are due. <laughs> Every other. We are due, due. for clutch. We are due for clutch Joseph um, in week eight. I think 
the Vikings are clearly committed to riding this out with him unless something cataclysmic takes place. He has proven that he can make the long kicks. Um, and I think that in, you know, in a game where, like, if you've got a kicker who, like Joseph, I think is making 80% of his 50-plus yard kicks, I think that you ride with him on that. I think you go with, you know, what the percentages suggest over a longer period of time and say, okay, you've done this. You've you've proved you can be clutch. You're not choking 100% of the time. Um, I think they give him the confidence to make that kick, and I think that he has the ability to make it. Um, but I'm not even that convinced of my own. No, argument. no, sorry. I don't think there's anything you could actually say to convince Vikings fans that they should trust the kicker. I just that this was this was an impossible one. So you give me one more, and then I got a final one for you. Um, okay, what what impossible one can I give you? Um, <laughs> Will talk me into. Trevon Diggs um sticking the the knife because correct the Vikings passed on Diggs in the draft, correct? For Jeff Gladney. Yeah. For Jeff Gladney. Yeah. Give um, well, essentially. Talk- I mean, I you know, kind of like they needed a corner and they, you know, decided to go with it. Anyway. Talk me into how that could have worked with Trevon in Minnesota after his brother's falling out. Oh, that's not a hard one, I don't think. Because he's good. He's very good. Everyone can get over but it. But Stefan in his ear. Who cares? Saying, hey, this place There's sucks. nothing you can do about it, my friend. You're under contract for four years. You come in, you make plays, and everybody's happy. That's really it, isn't it? Like, if if they passed on Trayvon Diggs because he was Stefan Diggs' brother, they deserve to be shredded to pieces for that. And, uh, and they could say, oh, well, you know, uh, that wasn't really it. We thought this guy was a better fit. But look. If you're talking about which guy had the better resume, one of them went to Alabama and was completely dominant. The other one went to TCU and was good. Jeff Gladney was a good prospect. His career was not undone by his talent. It was undone by his what he did off the field. But Trayvon Diggs had a better resume coming out. And a lot of people had him as a top corner that was going to be drafted high. And a lot of times in terms of draft strategy, if you pick which way works better, is it reaching for your guy or is it taking the guy who drops? It's taking the guy who drops see Jefferson, Justin, right? Uh, and th- th- it's clear that they, not only was it really kind of clear at the moment that that was a questionable pick to take Gladney, I thought because of Antoine Winfield Jr., who has a ring, uh, but also because of Trayvon Diggs and, and his size. We also thought his size was a great fit for Zimmer. Picking a smaller corner was just surprising. Um, but if they only did that because of his of Stefan, that would make no sense to me because that player coming in as a draft pick, I mean, he has no leverage at all. If he wants to try and force his way out, like you got to play for four years under this contract. And also my brother, I have two of them. Our personalities are very different. So if you were saying, oh, well, he's going to bring the same personality. Well, that's not always the case. Right. And so Trayvon Diggs has had a ton of success. I do think though, one side note, Trayvon Diggs takes a lot of risks and there is some space here for Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen to double move or to take advantage of the risks that Trayvon Diggs likes to take. He has now been talked up for a few weeks. This guy's putting up insane interception numbers. So what do we, should we expect him to do? Try to get more interceptions. I think the Vikings can take advantage there. Yeah. You'll, you'll read about this um, in tomorrow's story about the, the key matchups in this game where the Trevon Diggs, if you dig into his season so far, how about this ha- Halloween grave digger? Oh, wow. I love it. Um, he's penalty prone. He's tied for the league lead in penalties amongst corners. Doesn't tackle really at all. Um, and he's given up a play 35 yards or longer in each of the last five games. Uh, those are some red flags. So mm-hmm. the interceptions are nice and they affect sort of, you know, the passer rating when targeted stats, but I think if you look on a play-by-play basis, there is room there to to beat Trevon Diggs, and he's probably going to be on Jefferson. They usually put they put him up against you know the the Mike Evans of the world. That's the kind of guy they think he is. He's going to get the number one assignment, probably Jefferson, and I think Jefferson's good enough to win those matchups. 
Yeah, um, that's right. Uh, so far this year, though, it's been a quarterback graveyard for Trevon Diggs, right? Yeah, yeah. In the grave. So yep. uh, anyway, yep, keep it going. I got one more for you, and then okay. we want to talk about whether we think the Vikings, like what their chances are to win this game. Uh, and then we want to rank some candies because it is Halloween time, and that's a fun thing to do. Got to do uh, it. Talk me into the color rush uniforms for this one. What are the, are the Vikings all purple? Yeah. Now I, I'm not saying that they're wearing them. I don't know that, um, oh. but this would be an opportunity potentially for them to wear the all bright purple color rush uniforms. They wore them for the first time in 2016 against Dallas. And I, if I'm not mistaken, they wore them again against Dallas last year, I think. Um, and they lost that game and they lost in 2016 too. I don't like the all purples. So I don't, I'm not in support. I mean, I think it, it uh, it reminds me a little too much of the the combo they tried to bust out in like the mid two thousands where they had like a heavy purple and like a lot of, a lot of yellow accents. No, I'm I'm much fonder of the all whites or just the traditional like nineties look, which they don't bring back often enough. Um, like the the late nineties Cunningham Moss um, Carter Robert Smith jerseys, those need to be the retro go-to color rush don't care don't care at all burn them mm. so you just you failed in completely to talk me into that uh now i th- i think they're fine i i don't uh dislike the purple with the bright yellow i think that if you're an offensive lineman maybe you look at it and say i look like a big grape uh but i think in terms of just how they look on the field in person we saw them a couple of times they pop that's what I thought. Uh, and it seems like I see them a lot with a lot of fans wearing them around. So if they so choose now, they probably won't because they lost against Dallas wearing those. Um, I don't know. Was it last year? They weren't, they wore them. I remember in 2016, I, th- I really thought it was, them. but now I'm doubting myself. I what totally about- agree with you though, about the late, the late nineties, mid late nineties look to bring that back more often, even the helmet. That's not the right color. What, what about all blacks? Why have we not seen that with purple accents? See, I, I've just been in sports, not for that, not for like every team, like the Los Angeles Lakers having a black Jersey. It's just like, what is happening? Why, why do the Boston Celtics and the New York Knicks have a black Jersey? It's not a fan of that. I don't know. The Timberwolves alternate black back in the KG days was the bomb. So I am in support. Folks, football season is in full swing, but we've got basketball and hockey getting rolling as well. And Soda Stick has got you covered. You have to see the Moose t-shirt designs for Marcus Foligno. You can also get your hands on the very popular Dollar Bill Kirill shirts as well. On the basketball side, the design with three wolves howling at the moon, perfect for the spooky fall season. And the design with the wolf carved into the state of the Minnesota is just awesome. It's very cool stuff. And hey, for you college football fans, Check out the Tanner Morgan t-shirts as well. Soda Stick has tons of hats and hoodies with all their great designs on them. You will love it. Go to SodaStick.com. That is S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K. Check that out today. Use the promo code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. And also follow myself and Soda Stick on Twitter for our giveaways. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay. Well, their Jersey, yeah, their Jersey, although the throwback, their colors, the gray and the, and the light blue, very much classic. Uh, okay. So now here's my last one for you. Talk me into the Vikings win this football game. 
Uh, you win the take give. You run the ball effectively from start to finish. And uh, you hold Dallas to field goals. I mean, the formula is not rocket science at all. Like, there's a few things that have to happen. And I think, you know, if if you list off the, the 10 things that need to happen to win a football game, Vikings probably need to do about seven of them out of 10 because Dallas is just like that talented. And that talent is going to, you know, I think probably make them the favorite in this game. I think we've established like two and a half points. I mean, they are a better team, but, you know, good teams go on the road and lose all the time. And it, if you can slow them down, even just for a chunk of the game, like if you can make them sort of play your style for one half of this game to get an edge. Yeah, I think it's very attainable. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I am all in for this game. I know you'll be in, in your, your Halloween costume there, um, ready to take it all in. Um, it's going to be a a real treat and the Vikings can absolutely win. Which Viking would you dress up as if you had to go Halloween as a Viking? I have the answer of this. Jared Allen. Oh, that's a good one. I like that. You could do like the Fu Manchu. That kind There's, of thing. I mean, he's got a very jersey, of course. It's hard to be distinctive as yeah. a 150-pound, six-foot man like I am. There's not <laughs> Alexander really Hollings. Vikings. You could go as him. Hey, there you go. There, there's not many Vikings I resemble. Um, but the the mullet and the hair from Allen seems pretty distinctive. But you seem to have enough. Um, oh, maybe like the one bar, Gary Anderson. You could get. You could definitely go as Gary Anderson. You could go as their um, their uh, barefooted kicker that they had. I forget his name. They had a barefooted kicker. You could do that. Yep. But I was thinking you go as Mike Zimmer in Jacksonville with the eye patch. <laughs> <laughs> that's so Halloween too, to have an eye patch. Right? That's right. Okay. That, that's, that's that I think is the answer. Uh, okay. So that's before we, defense. before we wrap up, um, I'm, I actually, you know what you and I spoke yesterday and I said, I was going to probably pick Dallas to win close. I think I'm changing my mind. I think I'm going to pick the Vikings to win this game. There's something about U.S. Bank Stadium. And I think that Dak Prescott, if he slowed down even a tiny bit by the calf injury that he had, that I think this can stay close and it can come down to very much an Arizona or Seattle type of game. And I also think, too, that we have criticized Zimmer a lot about his way of handling in-game situations. But I think Mike McCarthy is actually worse. And Mike Zimmer will be aggressive in this game. We have seen him when there's pressure on in these games against Cleveland is a good example. He'll go for it on fourth down. He sort of feels the tension, I think, and will push it a little bit when it's time to do that. And I think he's going to handle this better than Mike McCarthy, especially since there's been a lot of noise about it that, you know, I think they went back and looked at it and in his decision-making. So do you have your list of your top five favorite Halloween candies because that's I think the best place to finish here um as we approach Halloween and by the way for everybody who listens to the podcast every day there's an episode coming later where I have someone who investigates in conspiracy theories look into whether the Vikings are actually cursed I I recorded that the other day and I'm very excited terrific yeah so anyway all right nice Halloween candies what do you got all right um, I'm making, so I've got my favorites written down and I'm still trying to sift through my, my top five. Let's start with number five. Let's start at the bottom. Um, I got to throw this in just to stir the pot. Um, it's, it's kind of right on the fringe for me in the top five, but, um, this is going to rock the boat. This is going to blow up the, the message boards, candy corn. I'm a candy corn guy. I thought that's Sue where me. you were going. Sue me. Mm. I mean, you can, you can at me if you want, I'll stand on the table for it. It is delicious. I especially like those like little pumpkin candy corns that are a little mm. denser and have a little more more weight to them. I think those are great. Um, I think as a candy, it's delicious. Now, would I want to have it year round, like every week? No, but because it's seasonal, there's kind of a novelty to it. People bust it out in the month of October, and I am here for it. I would rather eat this purple insider flag behind me than have candy corn. In fact, they probably taste the same. Did someone melt down tires and paint them orange and sell them as candy? That's how I view candy corn. So it is controversial. It is argued about a lot on the internet. Mm -hmm. I am on the complete opposite side. I cannot believe that people eat this. And I think whatever it's doing to your body, I'm concerned long-term for you and your healthcare plan. 
I'm concerned about the amount of diet Dr. Pepper you drink. So now we're even. <laughs> yes, we are even. All right. What's your next one? Uh, no, I want to hear your number five. Oh, okay. We'll do it that way then. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll go with one that is incredibly boring. A candy that I can't imagine anyone under the age of about 62 eats. That is a payday bar. It's simple. I enjoy peanuts and I enjoy caramel or caramel, whichever you choose. I'm not going to fight with you about it. And they put them together and handed them to me in a wrapper. And so I will go a very simple payday bar. All right. I don't discriminate much with candy. I just, I'm not really a nuts guy. So I'm not like, I don't really eat those as kind of a rule, but I I respect it. All right. What's your number four? Yeah. Number four. Um, I think we're going to go to, you know, the Marshawn Lynch classic, um, the Skittles. I, I love the little snack size bags. I think they're perfect. I don't, I get a little full on them if I have too many. Um, I can't do the Marshawn thing where I like eat them nonstop all day, but good little snack pack of Skittles is like the perfect pick me up. I, uh, I will taste the rainbow, my friend. I, I think that's a terrific pick. They are, um, I think there's just there's just a burst of sugar that goes into your veins when you consume Skittles that is like nothing else uh, short of illegal drugs. Uh, so I'm going to go with a similar type of fruity candy and I'm going to go Starburst. Um, if you wanted to be specific, the pink Starburst is the best. Now, I don't enjoy how it gets caught in your teeth almost immediately, but mm-hmm. in terms of the flavor, this is one when during training camp, they have a bowl of candy for us in the media room. I just pluck out the Starburst. I'm going to go Starburst for my number four. Yeah, it, a little too chewy for my taste, but there was, I got in a habit when I was young. I would go to uh, to basketball games and football games, go to the concession stand. I'd get popcorn and Starburst and eating those together for whatever reason was one of my favorite things to do. Again, so very I'm, healthy. Yeah, yeah, extremely healthy. Um, number three for me, this is kind of a cult favorite. Um, I'm not a big fan of hard candy, but I like when they take a good hard candy and make it softer because I have these soft teeth. Uh, the chewy sprees, chewy sprees, where it's like a blast of fruit, fruit flavor, um, makes me salivate. So I'll go with the chewy sprees. Number three. I feel like that's a deep cut and I used to eat sprees pretty often. And you're right. Once they made them chewy, once you break through that sort of candy shell, Mm -hmm. you've got, uh, you got yourself going pretty well here. I think that's a great pick. Well, I'm going to go totally not off the board at all. In fact, I'm going to go, this would be like picking Duke in the NCAA tournament. I will take a Snickers. I like a, a simple Snickers bar at any time, but you know, it is true though. What they say in the commercial is really true. Like if you're out of energy or something and you eat a Snickers, like you're good to go. Probably because it packs so much chocolate and caramel and everything else in it. But big fan of the Snickers. That's my number three. All right. Um, can't knock that at all. That's um, obviously a fan favorite. So number two, you know, I've gone with some an offbeat, you know, flavor and candy corn, um, some fruity flavors with Skittles and Chewy Sprees. Now we're getting back into the meat and potatoes, the Twix bar. With, which has, you know, the crunch, um, the chocolate exterior, the, the, the caramely interior. It is, um, it's not messy. It's like solid, but still it's not like too hard. It's perfect. Um, and I like that they break it up into a couple different pieces in the bag. Um, it's just one of the perfect candies. Okay. So that's the one I give out at my house every year. And I won't pick something off of your list, but that was going to be very high on my list. Uh, A great selection. I think one of the things you can do with that is you can bite it in half and just sort of let it all sit there for a while. And then you get to the end and you've just got that little cookie. And so it's almost like having candy and cookies at the same time. Mm. Well done Twix. Uh, You're the best. So I won't pick that one, but I'm going to stay in the same category of candy bars and I'm going to go with a crunch bar. Uh, what is it like rice krispies that they have inside of it? Uh, it just adds a little extra. I can't do straight Hershey's chocolate unless it's on some sort of s'more. It has to be mixed with something else that I can't snort chocolate right into my bloodstream. It's gotta be mixed up with something. And I think a crunch bar does a really great job of that. So I will go crunch bar for my number two. All right. Um, well, a drum roll up to number one, I think Reese's, for me has the greatest formula for how they create candy. If you like peanut butter, 
which I do, you can't not go with a Reese's product. So I think the question is, which Reese's product do I go with? You've got, you know, the, the, the mini peanut butter cups, the normal size, the big cups, the big cups that have Reese's pieces mixed into them. Um, I'm going to go off of all those though, or the Reese's pieces, another good option, but the Reese's fast break bar is my all time favorite. It is uh pillowy, soft, luscious nougat, um it's got a little more density to it so you feel like you're getting like a little more bang for your buck um with that little swirl on the inside i could eat one for breakfast lunch and dinner i love the fast breaks i want to marry the fast breaks uh wow i can only hope that someone joined just as you said the word nougat uh that i mean you're right reese's i like reese's pieces the ones that are sort of um it's like a it's like an m&m and then, yeah. it, but it's got the Reese's taste. That's mm-hmm. probably my favorite version, uh, but I'll give you my number one. And once again, I'm not doing anything weird here, but this is my favorite. And and I used to do this. So uh, my wife used to call basketball games for a college and I used to go to the games with her. And then I just sit in the stands and watch. And I, I would always get pizza, just like you, the healthy route. And, um, you know, uh, lettuce of some, no, just pizza <laughs> and a soda. And I would get with that peanut M&Ms. And if you're not a huge peanut guy, you could go regular M&Ms, but I am, as you've seen from a lot of these candies, the peanut M&M, very similar to the Kit Kat, or I'm sorry, well, Kit Kat was in consideration, the um, uh, very similar to the Twix, where you can eat it and then let it sort of melt in your mouth all the way down to the peanut, then you get the peanut. It's uh, It is a classic, it's a gem, and the only travesty in this world is that they made all these little um, Halloween like mix up tiny little bags to give out for Halloween. Mm -hmm. So you get like six. So give out, quit being a cheap ass, give out real bags of peanut M&Ms, spend some money, be nice to the kids in your neighborhood, give them a real bag of peanut M&Ms. I don't care if you give out the little ones of anything else, but the peanut M&Ms, you get like four. It's not good enough. Yeah. So the theme of your list is you're a nut guy. You've got the Payday, the Snickers, the the peanut M&M's. And if I were to go, I love peanut butter M&M's because as we established, I'm a peanut butter guy. So mm-hmm. I like the broken down version of peanuts into a smoother um, form. But I like I like that we disagreed a little bit. We had some conflict. We had, um, you know, some good, good support for our arguments. I feel like we uh, <laughs> we did a better job with the candy than we did with the actual <laughs> yes. game topics. Yes, I agree. So anybody who's listening to this, leave in the comment section how we did on our list. If you think that Sam's crazy for candy corn or I am too nuts for nuts, uh, feel free to drop those in. We'll post them on social media too and get some reaction to our top five lists. Sorry to Kit Kat. I did leave that out of there. That was on my mind. Probably would have been sixth. So Ray, Sam- you off a piece of that fancy feast. <laughs> Office reference. Office reference indeed. All right. Well, uh, thanks for your time, Sam. Thanks, of course, for bringing me the news and their social media channels for hosting this. I, I hope that you guys had some fun and uh, some hardcore football on Halloween. A lot more to come. So go wherever you get your podcasts, Purple Insider Podcast and purpleinsider.substack.com. And every Tuesday we'll be here. So we'll catch you then.